Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning, the Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode is brought to you by Masks, fashionable for superheroes, the year 2020, and beyond. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only and make sure you subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. And last week, we talked about how fear influenced the formation of Christopher Nolan's origin story, Batman Begins, and this week we'll be belly flopping into the Dark Knight. We will also be joined by special guest, Parker Hudson. Yeah, glad to be on. I always thought that um, I would be the one promoting Brad's fame, but here we are, Brad promoting mine, so glad to make it. (laughs) Blaylock, that is. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And uh, uh, kicking us off with our summary is going to be Brad. A new villain on the scene, Joker, begins to wreak havoc, cause chaos, and strike fear into the hearts of the Gotham citizens. Batman must step up to the plate, engage in his most daunting challenge to date. Can Batman save Gotham and Harvey Dent from the Joker? Solid summary. Solid summary. Not too bad. I've had worse. Yeah, except we've all had worse. Except for Parker. He hasn't done one yet. (laughs) You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. That's right. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Michael Michael Scott. Scott. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm kicking off with some themes. Uh, We're just going to go kind of popcorn style. Uh, Brad, then Parker, then uh, back to me. And if there's a couple themes, we'll just keep going around until we've gone through them all so Brad, what kind of themes or what themes did you see in the dark nights yeah so i think one theme that's pretty pretty prevalent is the importance of community during loss so there's the big love interest in the movie obviously of rachel dolls and she has two men that love her right so you have harvey dent and you have bruce wayne that both love her the movie at one point you have there's there's a point in the movie where bruce wayne's per- has told her that he, he loves her and he wants her to come with him and all this stuff. And Harvey Dent has actually proposed to her. And we know as the audience what she's going to say, but Bruce doesn't know. Bruce thinks that she might still love him, but Harvey thinks that she loves him. And then she dies. Tragically. Very tragically. I imagine being burned alive is tragic. Yeah. Sounds tragic. So she yeah. dies. And <laughs> after after this death, we see both of these men um, isolate themselves do this isolation. They kind of turn in on themselves. Right. So Harvey Dent ultimately becomes Harvey two face and this, this bad guy, this person of chaos and evil. And then Bruce ultimately like just seeps into this Batman persona so much. So where he like, he can't get out anymore. Like uh, you almost see the death of Bruce and the death of Harvey and birth of two-face and birth of batman because they isolate themselves from people once they experience loss mm. oh, that's good that's good yeah 
Thank you, Brad. You're welcome, Brad. Um, I think one of the big ones that I saw in it was just the the dichotomy between justice and corruption. Um, you have Harvey coming on the scene as pretty much the first just, um, I guess, police figure being the DA of Gotham um, in a long time. Obviously, you have like Gordon and then Batman's justice, but um, uh, Harvey Dent is more of the like, what is it, lawful good in that? Um, So for the first time, it feels like Gotham has hope of justice. But then throughout the show, you see um, corruption that's already present and then corruption that takes place. So there's the mob underground. Gotham historically is already corrupt as it is. But then you see that corruption through the power of the Joker eroding even Harvey Dent, even the White Knight. Um, So I felt felt like that was probably the biggest theme um, that I saw throughout the movie. Yeah, and you see that with the citizens too, right? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of yeah, Joker's the, the whole two thing. fairies, the duality. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. And then when the um, oh, what's the what's the little twerp that's going to reveal Batman's name on the oh on the Reese? News? Yeah, Reese. Reese. I think his yeah. name's Reese. Reese. Yeah. And then Joker tries to show just how corrupt the city is too. He's like, hey, like if you, if you guys kill him by the end of the day, I won't blow up the hospital or whatever. And so it's kind of like his whole bit. Yeah, and there's a ton of duality. I mean, even on the justice and corruption, uh, one of the more minor themes that I had was redemption. So you brought up the the two um, fairy scene. The I thought it was really interesting that it was the inmates that actually decided first that they were not going to yeah. blow up the other one. So you have this sure. element of the corrupt becoming redeemed in this little social experiment. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's also like, I mean, very much into physical presence and like Harvey's got his one face that is side of his face that is whole and the one that's broken as well as the coin. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. Mm. I think, yeah, those are great themes. Um, and I, that was one of the ones that I had as well. The other theme that I had was just like chaos. Sure. <laughs> I think it would be <laughs> remiss if we didn't mention like chaos and just how the Joker embodies chaos. And he, there's a scene where he's, uh, uh, being interrogated by Batman, he's like, um, the only way to like make sense of this life is to live without any rules. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, even in the hospital scene, he's like, why don't you introduce a little anarchy into your life to, to Harvey as he's turning him and just how much there. He's just like, you know, he even says like, do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know, he's just, he's just like going along with whatever he wants to do. He's like, he's like, they're schemers. They're the ones that I was like, do I look, it's like, I'm just like a dog, you know, chasing a car. I wouldn't want to know what to do if I got one, you know? And, um, just how that's so like on the opposite spectrum of everyone else, including the other villains, you know, and how he is living that out. So. Mm-hmm. There's a good Harvey quote that goes along with that too. He says, "The world is cruel. The only morality in a cruel world is chance, unbiased, unprejudiced, fair." Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Really good. And I love, I love the coin because the coin is almost like the embodiment of the theme of justice and corruption, and then also chaos. Because you find out about halfway through the movie that it's actually two heads on the mm-hmm. coin. And so anytime he is quote unquote, leaving something to chance, it, he's making it up. You know, it, it is what it, he wants it to be. 
But then after, you know, he becomes Harvey Two-Face, it actually is a two-sided coin. And so he kind of takes the Joker's advice and embraces chaos, yeah. actually leaves people's lives to 50-50 chance. And that that fall character um, I thought was really interesting as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Another thing that I think is pretty pretty major this movie is the theme of identity. And I mean, this movie plays with identity in a lot of different ways. So you have the double lives of Bruce and Harvey that he begins to, that Nolan starts to like play off of each other. And he plays these double lives off of each other and they kind of reverberate off each other until you're left with like what's at the core of each person. Right, so by the end of the movie, you're only left with like the core of who Harvey Dent is and the core of who Bruce Wayne are, ultimately being Batman and um, Two-Face. But then you also have the that the Joker plays into this theme of identity. He plays into an interesting, a very interesting way. One, he, in, in a sense, you never learn his identity. Right, so everything from like the origin story that he gives changes all the time, right? So at one point, like, it's his father cutting him. At one point, somebody else. Like this, He's doing it to himself. Right. So yeah. like how he gets the scars changes throughout the movie. Right? And I don't think it's from this. I think it's from the killing joke. But just to go on with the character, you know, there's a famous Joker quote where he's like, if I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Mm. And so this, yeah, it's, it's a great <laughs> quote. But like he, he plays into this, this thing of identity in just like we can't even know this character's identity. And then his goal his goal in the movie is to unmask, pun intended, mm. Batman, Harvey, and everyone in Gotham, right? So he wants to pull out the real identity of Harvey Dent and show that he's not the White Knight. He wants to pull out the real identity of, of Batman and show the city who he is and the city of Gotham as well, right? He wants to show that all the citizens that they're one bad day away from being him, the worst that they could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he he succeeds with with Harvey, right? Harvey was one bad day. Granted, it's pretty bad. Very but bad. He day. was <laughs> he was one bad day away from turning all the way into Two Face. I thought it was really interesting keeping talking about identity. How the Joker um, influenced different characters. So with Harvey, it was just to corrupt. So he he made him go sure. from good to bad. But then all the mob bosses start to kind of have this internal conflict. Like um, who's the main mob boss? Um, What's his name? Maroney. Maroney. So Maroney. Yeah. There's that scene where Maroney goes to um, Gordon. It's like, I'll tell you where he is basically. So it's almost like this is too much for us. Like this level of bad in, you know, comparison to us makes us kind of want to be better. Like, let's get rid of yeah. this and just go back to the the petty stuff we used to do, um, sure. embezzling money and whatever else. So, um, another theme that I saw that I thought was really interesting as I was rewatching it, I don't think I've ever really noticed this before, but the theme of like authority and jurisdiction. So several times throughout the movie, um, especially with the guy, is it Laos? That's his name. Um, Laos basically is like, I'll get all of you guys, all of you mob bosses money to Hong Kong because Dent can't get us there. Right. But then Mm -hmm. Batman can. Yeah. And so it's like the police are the, the quote unquote good. I would more say Gordon because the police are even corrupt. Gordon is like the good inside of 
a corrupt Gotham. And then you have the mob bosses that are the bad inside of the corrupt Gotham. But then there's this whole world outside of that where Batman still has jurisdiction. And it seems like the Joker, kind of like what you said with identity, comes in out of nowhere. He doesn't really have a jurisdiction either. So you have these two larger than life, if you want to say that life is the context of Gotham, these two larger than life authorities imposing their wills in Gotham um, and and just their authority and jurisdiction over this little microcosm of of human life. I I really, I don't know, I was kind of taken aback by that as I was rewatching it uh, here recently. Yeah, for sure. Solid. Brad, do you have any more themes? I think, I mean, you are kind of hit on like the duality of like good and evil and Mm -hmm. how that's very prevalent um, throughout the story and in in all of the characters. Yeah. They all, I'd say like um, probably Alfred and Lucius don't wrestle with it as much. Well, I guess Lucius does at the end because like, he's like, this is unethical. Like I'm not going to be a part of this. And then Alfred, as he's, talking to bruce and saying like you know you have limits you you have you have limits and then also when he's deciding to give himself in he's like you have to endure like this is what you signed up for and like there's all this evil that's going on and like you're kind of the cause of it right um and i guess that i mean that kind of transitions me into the um next part of storytelling but i can hold off on that if we've got some more themes to run through you good, Parker? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, yeah, let's get a storytelling. Yeah. Um, so storytelling, I guess, um, before like before we get on to what I was thinking through is like, you know, it was like I mean we'd obviously want to mention like Heath Ledger and how like one month after filming, um, he passed away of an overdose. All right. And um just sure. like how like affected like the fans were and like that that heighten the anticipation for this film i think to unexpected levels because batman begins was good but i think that it's very sad it's incredibly sad but like also heightened that anticipation for this film yeah it's interesting i was doing some just like reading coming into this Mm -hmm. um and i i didn't really realize this because i mean when this movie came out i was let's see what 13 14 something like that Mm -hmm. um so I mean I probably didn't even know I probably didn't know Chris, who Christopher Nolan was or even Christopher no you just Bell, knew it was you know, a Batman movie coming it's out it's a Batman movie yeah so I definitely didn't know who Heath Ledger was either but apparently his his casting was pretty controversial people were pretty upset and I found this article and this quote is pretty wild it says and the fan community was we were freaking pillared for it this is a disaster the worst casting decision ever made Chris just hunkered down and stuck to his guns and kept moving along. Respectfully, it was a question of not giving the fans what, they, what they're asking for, what they want, what they really want. But I just thought it was interesting, like, today, like, in the age of social media, and especially with, like, endem of certain properties with lightsabers, people... <laughs> <laughs> people... I'm not naming names. I mean, like, I'm MCU not naming names. And yeah, there's a ton of shows with lightsabers in them. Ton of them. Yeah. But people, people guessing, right? They didn't think it made sense. They thought he was going to be a terrible Joker. And then he delivered what is possibly like the best villain performance, acting performance of a villain ever. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, won a, won a posthumous Oscar for it. 
Uh, we certainly haven't had a Joker as good since him, and I don't think we've Joaquin had. Joaquin Phoenix won an Oscar. We haven't had a, a Joker as good. <laughs> See, I mean, I mean, Jared Leto is not as good as Heath Ledger's Joker. Are you kidding me? Oh, he's not. But uh, but you know, like so, like I, I think there's something to be said for like the whole like. Um, Maybe wait until we see things until we get upset about casting or like rumor decisions. That well, can you blame them? I mean, like my my thoughts of Heath Ledger were ten things I hate about you. Ten things I hate I'm about you is the only one I'd seen. Oh, Night's Tale. Yeah. Night's Tale. Heath Ledger. Yeah. And Night's Tale. That was my first introduction to him, which is an awesome movie. It's mm-hmm. a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, like he, yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend now. That character that he, the performance he did is so iconic. So many great lines, so many great quotes. Um, yeah. yeah, we just wanted to take a moment to recognize that. I think uh, in getting into like the dark tone and the story and like talking about like good and evil, uh, I thought this film was like a really cool reflection of Gordon's closing lines in Batman Begins where he's talking mm-hmm. about escalation. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about all of those things. There's like, well, we do this, like they're going to, bad guys are going to do that. And that comes true. I think in this movie in every way and like with the Joker, with like this movie is so much darker and more intense than Batman begins. But yeah, I thought that it was like really, I mean, this is a dark tone, dark story. Um, But it's like, it's also phenomenal. It's also super well done Mm -hmm. and how the, good and evil and each of the characters personify that even more than they do and how they interacted with the theme of fear in Batman begins. Mm. But I know yeah, you I, all have done a good bit of, of study what? on this. <laughs> <laughs> this definitely isn't your grandmother's MCU, like Captain America or Iron Man, whatever. <laughs> like there are serious elements of this where it's almost like existential in a way that that a lot of other superheroes superhero movies don't address but i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that all of the characters are a hundred percent human so there is no super strength there is no x-ray vision or laser vision or anything like that and so it feels like a bunch of humans with problems um yeah like bruce with his parents dying who knows what the Joker's backstory is, um, but all these these actual humans dealing with their problems, and it it feels more relatable um, as I watch it than say other superhero movies do, where they have super strength or whatever. Like this is the human experience kind of put on a screen in a, in a little spectacular way, but it's something we can all relate to. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really good and just like how grounded it is mm-hmm. and how in the mcu and even in parts of the dc universe now where it's just like it doesn't feel quite as grounded in realism as mm-hmm. these characters sure. are like, i mean there's you know there's something to be said it's like i can't fly yeah i don't have super strength but like I don't know. It's like we said last week, Batman. Like, if you I gave, don't have a lasso of truth, it, you're right. If you give me, <laughs> if you give me enough money and enough training, I might could be a halfway decent Batman. I don't know. <laughs> billions of dollars of money. Yes, billions, <laughs> billions, billions. billions. Uh, another thing I want to talk about with the the kind of storytelling device. I think this movie is one of the best I've ever seen in terms of like using color and the mm. way they use colors in this movie. 
Um, so colors, like when we, when we think of color harmony, there are several different types of color harmony, right? So there's there's complementary harmony, there's analogous, tri triadic, and monochromatic harmonies, and those all have to do with like the color wheel, right? And so like colors on the opposite end of the color wheel are complementary. Those that are kind of like within a two to three space range are analogous. And then triadic is this cool thing where if you take one color, you go to the opposite side, you go to its complementary and take the two next to its complementary. Mm. And monochromatic is just like the same color, but slight variations. Yeah. And this movie is just pure like masterclass at use of color. So for example, the Joker when the Joker's on screen, and this is I just so freaking genius. Uh, they just such, <laughs> a, out on color. such an <laughs> emphasis on, on with the Joker. They almost always use triadic or analogous color harmonies when he's on screen. Are you talking about the right, whole so, scale of the, the shot or his like get up, like his outfit? All of it, all of it. So like okay. the, the the famous scene where you know, he's in the, the the jail cell, and it's after he like he turned himself in. Oh. So if you if you look at a, a color, so if you look at that scene, like the background is all blue. His his suit is purple and his hair is green. Mm. And if you look at the color well, that's an analogous color harmony. Like they're all right there within two or three spaces of the same same spectrum, and they're all like that shade of green, that kind of darker shade, as well as those like darker blue and the purple. It's like a very ominous shade mm -hmm. and so they shape the entire thing to look ominous including him look ominous in other scenes they use triadic ones to make him look um just to make him stand out right so they'll have like they'll have his purple suit and then they'll have a little bit of orange in the background and his green hair and it just it draws your eyes right to his his um his get up and right to him the whole time and it just it's, it's just beautiful, Ma absolute masterclass. And then, like, there's the hospital scene, mm, where, yeah, the hospital scene where everything's monochromatic for white. So pretty much most of the things you see in the shots are variations of white, and it leads up to him corrupting illusion. <laughs> white knight. He corrupts the Gotham's white knight. Mm. Oh, there you go. You've got the like white lights coming down from the ceiling. You've got Joker and his white get up. The walls are a slight variation of like off white. You get into the the thing and his pillow's white, his bed's white. Everyone's white except the white knight. Ooh. It's great. Wow. So I think I this, expected uh, I expected your takes on like best scenes, best quotes to be warm takes. I didn't know your analysis was gonna be a warm take that nobody would like <laughs> this is like Oscar critic level stuff right here. I'm impressed. Oh, that's not. Awesome. That is really good. I, I have, I'm blown away no, right I have now. To say, I, I mean, let, let's be real here. I am nowhere near the first person to talk about this. There are like, there are like academic papers written on the use mm, of color, and mm, mm. yeah, but no one's uh, talking about the Dark Knight in 2008 on the Brad Report podcast. Besides us, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's a fact. We are the only ones talking about this on the Brad Report. So getting into some character breakdown, let's just uh, start off with Batman slash Bruce Wayne. And the thing that I think really stood out to me the most about him is the Joker 
I mean, he has a lot of internal struggles throughout with Alfred and Rachel and Harvey and even in front of Gordon with the Joker. He go he mentions this twice, once in the interrogation scene and then once after he's captured him, he says, you truly are incorruptible, aren't mm-hmm. you? And just kind of how he through like how he's continuing to harden himself to the the pain that's going on doing what is necessary kind of following along those lines of Ra's al Ghul except breaking that one rule know what that rule is but even in that he's hardening himself so that he will not be broken like the one constant as fans we know but also is that Batman will never become evil this Batman will never become evil. And sure. so that's just kind of like one of the things that as he's struggling and like seeking guidance from Alfred and how to, it's like, how do you take that bandit down? And like, what do you, what, what, what did you have to do? And he's like, we had to burn the forest down. Like we yeah. had to do what was necessary. Yeah. I think one thing with Batman, this is like, you, you don't see him corrupt necessarily, obviously, because he's, he's Batman. But you do see like a shift in his his psyche because of the fights with the Joker, right? That it gets to him. Right? He like killing Rachel really got to him, and he kind of folds in on himself. He's almost like a black hole throughout this movie, just like sucking sucking himself into the bat suit. And you see less of Bruce Wayne as this mm-hmm. movie goes on. By the end of it, you're not even sure if Bruce Wayne is even there anymore. It's just Batman. And so while I, I agree that he's incorruptible, but he's not invincible. And I think this movie shows that a lot. No, he has limits. And like yeah. that's what Alfred says is like, sure. you have your limit. Know your limits, Master Wayne. He's like, Batman doesn't have limits. He's like, yeah, but but you do. Right. For sure. You're not him. You're not this yeah. embodiment fully. Right. Yeah. And I feel like you can treat Batman and Bruce Wayne. Y'all talked a little bit about this last week, but they're, they're two different characters, really. And Batman is more of a a symbol or like a force. He's not really a person. I mean, in the movie, he represents this uncorruptible good. Um, And so Bruce is more of his, his like day job, his facade. Um, And I I just think it's really, I I was really struck by the scene where um, Harvey, Rachel, Bruce, and the ballerina are all getting dinner together you know, he pushes the two chairs together. The ballerina has some like pretty choice words about Batman, you know, like he needs to, yeah. you know, why, why is he being a vigilante, all this kind of stuff. And Bruce Wayne pretty much agrees in like a very whimsical way. And it's like, he's completely disconnected those two parts of him. It, he doesn't like Rachel knows what's going on, but nobody else does. And he plays it perfectly. Um, and there's not any sense that he's conflicted where he is two different people. And I would think right. that he thinks that he is Batman first, Bruce Wayne second. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I, I would say that I would say that at the beginning of the movie, less that he thinks Batman first, Bruce Wayne second, that as the movie progresses, mm-hmm. you slowly see that to take over. And then you see it a lot in the third film, especially whenever he's at the masquerade party with Catwoman played by Anne Hathaway, he's the only one not wearing a mask. And I, I feel like that's right. showing that he, that is his mask. He's, he's, he's proving that yeah, this is, yeah. yeah. Sure. I'll steal that and use that next week. Yeah, exactly. We'll both <laughs> how if I steal it. Right, right. I'll cut, I'll cut out you saying it. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Well, at this, I think that 
uh, Catwoman's like, who are you pretending to be? And he's like, Bruce Wayne, mm. billionaire. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like, so he's like, he's even acknowledging, like, I'm pretending to be this guy. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead and cut that out. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Here's your free content. <laughs> exactly. Free content. Um, yeah. Um, so next we have Gordon. The commissioner, now commissioner, finally commissioner, uh, leading the Gotham City Police Department. Um, I I mean, Gary Oldman, he's just awesome. He's rock solid. And I think one of the things that really defines him is that every man, a regular guy that's just trying to do the right thing, trying to do his job, and is experiencing these uh, these figures, these titans, the Joker and the mm-hmm. Batman in this battle um for for gotham and against each other and he's just he's there experiencing it and kind of like he's he for me it's like he's the representation of the audience that's experiencing those things and like oh man like it's like we've got it like this guy we have to save dent like hero like and like he doesn't under fully understand batman he doesn't fully understand the joker he just knows that there's crime going on and he wants to stop it. That's one of the things that he's just like, and then at the end, he's like, his family's put in danger, his family, because of this conflict with these, these people like he, and like his own involvement and that there's personal stakes for him as well. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the most human character of the main, like the major characters in the show. Um, I mean, obviously Batman's got his billion dollars. The Joker has his <laughs> manicness, if you want to call that like a character trait, but Gordon, you can definitely relate to his just straight up pure humanity more than any other character. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, now one of the most, I think, uh, the second most fun character to talk about, I think Harvey Dent, Two-Face. And just his quote, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. He was right. He was right. He lived long enough to see himself become the villain. <laughs> now, I, I think Harvey's super interesting and very compelling character. He's funny. He's he is charming. Funny, charming. And, he, and, and he, I don't know, the scene that I think sticks out to me with him is when he turns himself in as Batman. Before because Bruce is planning on turning himself in, and before he gets a chance, Harvey turns himself in as Batman. And there's something there of just like, like yes, ultimately he becomes you know Two Face, but like I think he wants to he wants to be the White Knight so bad. Like, yeah. He wants to be like Gotham's hero and whatever. And I think that counts for something. And it's just kind of interesting to see the fall from like that, like being willing to. But is his body, his life on the line, essentially, like, because he knows what's coming. You know, he, you know, that's part of the plan, right? He knows that the Joker's going to try to get him, essentially, at that point. And so, going from that to ultimately being, you know, two-faced is just such an interesting fall from grace. Yeah. Do you think mm-hmm. it was the desire, as you mentioned this, it was the desire to be the good guy? Like, that kind of that pride and self-righteousness and arrogance that, like helped him as the Joker would say, just like on the, his push. I think it was towards think it, his downfall. I think it was less wanting to be the good guy, more wanting to be the hero. Mm-hmm. I think he wanted to be a symbol mm-hmm. to Gotham in the way that the Batman was essentially. 
And when he ultimately failed to save Rachel, when he was helpless and couldn't save Rachel, I think that pushed him over that. Like, if I can't save Rachel, I can't save Gotham. Mm-hmm. Right? And if I can't save Gotham, if I can't save Rachel, if she has to burn, the city might as well, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Harvey, man, he is such an interesting cat. I wonder, like, whenever he takes claims to be Batman, is that, like, on a whim, or do you think he's completely thought through the potential of the events that are about to take place? Like, does he... I think he's thought through it. So you don't think it's just, like, a panic moment where the crowd is literally chanting, turn himself in or whatever, and he has to do something to not force Batman to play his hand, or I guess Bruce, but he doesn't know it's Bruce, so before no, I think, his hand. I, I think he I think he had thought through and planned it out. Um and I think he I think on some level he even liked the idea of um just for a brief time the people of Gotham thinking he was Batman. Mm-hmm. Well even the part that like is previous to that, like Batman is like he's confronting him and he's like, hey I'm gonna turn myself in, call a press conference tomorrow. And he's yelling at him like you can't give in. You can't give in. Like you're giving up. And what I really think is, it's kind. It's like kind of an important scene early on is the first time that Harvey, Batman, and Gordon are all on the rooftop at the beginning of the movie when they're planning to take down the mob. And sure, and it's the three of them, and that's what he references at the end. Is like we thought we could be decent men in an indecent time, and we failed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's it was the three of us that made this decision, mm. and look what has become of it. Mm-hmm. That's such a good quote too. We'll get to that later, but that's a great quote. Yeah, and there's such an interesting like character arc with him where the first time he meets with Gordon, he's got like real beef with the fact that Gordon is in cohorts with a masked vigilante. He's like, why would you? You know, he's basically yeah. calling Gordon's um, respect respectfulness uprightness into question. And then you have the scene of them on the roof together where it seems like uh, Harvey is now wanting to be in cohorts with Batman. And then at the end or later on claiming to be Batman and then eventually falling away from grace and ultimately being killed by Batman. It's just kind of an interesting, like full circle, full swing on his character in relation to Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great stuff. I mean, there's, I mean, ah, he's, he's such an interesting character. Um, but moving on, we've got Alfred Pennyworth, mm. an ever present guide and mentor. To Is Bruce he a Jiminy Cricket? I think he's a Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think he's just like, he's there to give out the words of wisdom. He's yeah. there to give advice and counsel. He doesn't really get involved in the action much himself sure. at all. Uh, well, at all in this one. Um, I mean, he went and saved Bruce after the scarecrow attack in the first one, but mm-hmm. I think like, um, like his his highlight is when he's giving advice about Bandit and Burma, yes. and just like we burned the we burned the forest. we burned the forest out, and he's like he was mm. like he was throwing he was throwing the jewels away, and he's like, why would he do that? And he's like, wow, because he thought it was good sport. He thought it was a laugh, you know. Yeah, and it's like, and then he has that awesome quote that I'm not going to spoil now. But we're going to get to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week, but Michael Caine is just so good as Alfred. I mean, it it just is so perfect. Um, that, like, British accent, like, everything 
it just works so well. And I really yeah, missed him in the new ones. Yeah, yeah. sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure, Brad. I, th- I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with Alfred. Just like, I mean, he's there. He's there to give solid advice, and he does, and he cares about Bruce. And yeah, I mean, he's yeah, kind of he's, like, the, he's, he's the, he's the one, grandpa. Yeah, he's the one person that's on the inside and like constant sure. in his corner that yeah. knows mm-hmm. knows him better than anyone. That knows his failings, his weaknesses, uh, his his faults. Um, yeah. What about Lucius Fox? Do you want to take that one for us, Brad? Uh, sure. I mean, Lucius is a cool character. I I think the idea of like a, a gadget guy, essentially. He's like the Q for Batman. Q? Yes. Bond? I've never seen him. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I know what Bond the Q is, is Brad. <laughs> I know what the Q is, okay? But but if any listeners don't, could you explain it real quick? Yeah, so Q <laughs> in the James Bond movies is the guy that gives James Bond all of his gadgets. And that's what uh, Lucius is. And, like, there was in the first one, like, Batman Begins, there was kind of this, like, oh, does he know, doesn't he? And then he's like, yeah, he kind of knows. And then he just flat out, first time he's like, hey, I need a new suit. He's like, well, three button is kind of nineties, Mister Wayne, and then that's a good one. He actually has him involved in helping him while, like, sure. going to get Laos and then like monitoring the, the like sonar thing at the very end. Yeah, that's a great way to explain Q. Uh, I think <laughs> I think I appreciate about Lucius is he's also funny. Oh, he's so funny! Like, so when when Batman or when he shows Batman the like the new suit or whatever, like the uh, the guards on his his forearms or whatever, Batman asks, "How will this hold up against dogs?" And he says, "You talking Rottweilers or Chihuahuas? <laughs> Should do fine against cats." And uh, and then the whole thing where Batman's telling him, "Like, hey, I'm trying to get into the back of a plane. Well, I'd recommend a good travel agent, Mister Wayne." Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, he's I- like. I literally almost put dogs as a theme in this movie because at the <laughs> beginning you have like the fake Batman and the dogs tear him up. And then at the end, the Kevlar suit actually stands up to the Joker's dogs whenever yeah. he's like actually fighting him at the end. I, I almost put that in there for some humor, but it's funny. I'll bring it up. <laughs> yeah. The dogs. Yeah. Rottweilers or Chihuahuas. Yeah. You, got any, you got any thoughts on Lucius Parker? Yeah, I've, I think this might be a little bit, I don't know, a little bit much, but I feel like Alfred and Lucius play into Batman's character as almost an extension of his ability. Um, So Alfred seem I joke and say he's Jiminy Cricket, but Alfred really does seem to be Batman, the character Batman, his conscience. Like, stay within your lane. Don't do more than you can do. I think Batman would just keep going until he died. Like it really is kind of a a personal thing for him. This is what keeps me occupied. Um, And Alfred keeps him in check. But Lucius is almost, if we're going to talk about, you know, the, the analogy of Gotham being the world and Batman being the ultimate good, the Joker being the ultimate evil, Lucius, especially in that last scene with the phone thing, with the sonar thing, it's almost like Lucius is Batman's omniscience. And like, that was crazy to me. Like Batman is all knowing in Gotham because of Lucius. And so those two characters kind of are an extension of his abilities um, as the, the superhero of the city. 
Yeah, that's I've never thought of Lucius as like Batman's omniscience in a way. That's pretty interesting. That's good. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that either. And but yeah, I think it's super true. Like Alfred's definitely his conscience, mm. and like he's there mm-hmm. to bicker at him and like tell him like hey, know your limits. And then when he comes up against his limits, he's like, "Hey, endure. Like push, mm-hmm. push forward. Like don't give up yet." Yeah. And then there's that also that scene where Batman goes to Hong Kong, and the only reason he was able to get Laos was because Lucius left the the sonar phone in the building. Like he, I mean, he really is kind of the way that Batman's able to do a lot of the stuff that he is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, what do you all think of of Rachel? I I was. First of all, disappointed by the recast that Katie Holmes went into yeah. uh, do Mad Money, which is like even watched it. But if you like, if you watch the trailer, like she gave up her role in The Dark Knight. This movie. Plus, I pro- I think I had a little bit of a crush on her because uh, I think uh, <laughs> Batman Begins came out when I was fourteen. <laughs> so um, it's right yeah, around the time. I- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was not. I think she kind of just seemed more of a plot device and mm. this tension point between Bruce and Harvey, and then obviously her death was this the catalyst point for each of their characters sure. going forward. And like, she definitely didn't have as much to do in this film. Um, but I don't have much to say about her other than that. I don't know if y'all do. Yeah, I mean, I think Rachel's still still an interesting character. Um, I do think that they used her in better ways in Batman Begins, not just because like the casting different. Like, that's whatever to me, but like, I think that they used her character better in the first movie. Like, they used her as kind of like a symbol of justice, a symbol to like contrast like Batman's faulty views of justice. Whereas in this movie, she really was just like kind of written as just like a love interest and. It's fine, you know, yeah. but the character's clearly capable of more, as we saw in Batman Begins. Yeah, and as far as a love interest goes, it's, I don't know, she only, for Batman and Bruce, it feels like what she does is create internal conflict, um, because Batman and, and Bruce are two separate characters, but then it's almost like the Joker picks up on the the interest that the person behind the mask of Batman has in her. Um, the Joker has this quote where he was like, I almost thought you were Harvey because of the way you threw yourself after her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. And so it's kind of, I kind of agree. She serves to, to further the plot as kind of a plot device instead of her own standalone character. Um, and I think maybe the writers kind of knew they were going to offer in the end. And so that could be why. Um, but yeah, I she was there. She was in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No. All Let's right, get to our last character. Last character, save the best for last. The best. Joker, absolutely. The Joker. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. So I think I mean he's just uh, he's so iconic. He's mm. so evil. He's so terrifying. Um. I remember watch sitting in the theater, and the first time where I was like, okay, yeah, I know the Joker. I've seen the TV shows as a kid. You know, I even watched Jacqueline Nicholson yeah. and Michael Keaton's Batman, Tim Burton Batman. And I was just like, okay, yeah, he's evil. I know that. 
when like first time he told the how I got these scars, and then the second time when he changed it, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this guy is crazy!" Mm. And there's just so many great moments of him being completely like on the fly yet totally in control. Well, I mean, it starts in the first scene where like he has set up these guys in a, in a row and orchestrated everything so that he's at the top of this like killing chain. Every person is supposed to kill the person that does the task in front of them. And it all ends with him. And, you know, at the end, he's like, no, 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 I'm supposed to kill the bus driver. And then he ends up, I mean, he is, yeah, pure chaos. It's Yeah, the guy didn't even know that the bus was coming. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's an interesting paradox there. of This character being completely insane, but also seemingly two steps ahead every time. So brilliant. So So smart. There's like this weird paradox going on with this character of like, he's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He says all these wild things, but also his plans are incredibly meticulous. And his motives may be kind of, whimsical but his plans are anything but like his plans are very laid out very well thought out and just kind of pure like strategically genius yeah mm-hmm. i almost it's, view uh, him as i mean the antithesis of batman he is the equal and opposite force like he he's a character in the yeah. show but his presence is more of a force in gotham than just you know an individual in gotham absolutely i think one of the the great scenes and uh, we're going to get to scenes in a minute, but like one of the things that like someone pointed out as you're like scrolling through the internet and you come across breakdowns and like, when he's convincing Harvey to like try and like break him and bend him to like, to pursue chaos and evil is that in that scene where he has the gun to his head, his finger is on the hammer of the gun. So even if like Harvey Dent, like, flip it to yeah. where Joker would be like shot. His finger was on the trigger and like even if he pulled the trigger, he wasn't going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things where he's like absolutely in front of like any, he, he gives Harvey the illusion of illusion of choice at like, hey, if I play the odds here, I can maybe like as later get my ace in the hole and which it's really interesting you you talk about like the illusion of choice because harvey in that moment gives up his illusion of choice with the coin that's the first flip that he has where it's an actual double-sided coin and the joker is in complete control and so i feel like that is just the authority of the joker's force on on harvey like i am in control i am now the agent of chaos i have corrupted you ultimately uh, yeah, that's really good. All right, so let's get into some of our favorite scenes and quotes from this movie. And this movie, I think, is just packed with great scenes and and quotes. We'll get we'll get started off. We can kind of just go round table. Uh, one of my honestly one of my favorite scenes is the the magic trick scene with the Joker and where he's got all the crime bosses around him and he walks in and I believe the crime boss is named gambler. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, let's get this gamble, clown, or, gamble or something, something like that. Something like that. He's like, let's get this clown clown show out of here. You know, get this freak out of here. And he puts a pencil and he goes, you want to see a magic trick? And one of Gamble's cronies walks up and he just boom, slams his. And you're like, oh my gosh. Pencil's I love gone. how calm everybody was in that scene. Yeah. It's, oh my goodness. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous scene. Also, he just stole a ton of their money. I mean, Gambler was right. Like, we're just going to let him walk into here. He stole, what was it, 10, 60-something million of their dollars. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. For sure. Uh, So my first scene is the interrogation scene with Batman and the Joker. It's just so many good lines. It's so intense. It's so <laughs> iconic. Uh, my, my favorite. So he walks, he slams Joker's head on. Joker goes, you know, you really shouldn't start with the head. Then the victim gets all fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> feel the rest of it. Yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's good. But like, it's a great scene. And it's, it's kind of like, I feel like there's so many callbacks to the animated series in situations where like, this vigilante guy that's actually in a police interrogation room mm-hmm. doing the interrogation and other things like with the the uh, news the newscaster that's like being interviewed and like doing all these things and the villains calling on the live show to make his pronouncement and threats but yeah I think that that was just such a cool scene where the two characters like for the first time um or for for like they're battling in a way that's just not, they're not fighting each other physically. I mean, there is like this interrogation for like, I'm trying to get information. And the Joker's like, you have nothing to threaten me with. And just kind of like, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. I think one of my favorite scenes um, was when Bruce and Alfred were talking in that little underground um, room, wherever he first tells the story about the rubies. I just feel like that, scene sets up so much of of the show or of the movie um where you have the the chaos of the joker like alfred has experienced something like that you have the humanity of bruce where he's literally stitching up his arm um as they're talking but more than that i feel like that room kind of serves as like bruce's slash batman's therapy like that's kind of this oasis inside of gotham where he can come and be whatever he actually is, whatever the culmination of Bruce and Batman actually are, um, where someone who genuinely knows him and Alfred can know him and they can talk. So it's just kind of this oasis and an otherwise corrupt, dark, evil um, city. So, I, But that scene in particular is kind of the, the pinnacle of that idea. Yeah, I had that one as well. I, I mean, it's such a great scene, mm-hmm. such a great scene. Yeah, I like the. Uh, that's a good one too. One, one of my favorites is at the end of the movie, where Harvey's got Commissioner Gordon's family at gunpoint. And, you know, and this is like the culmination of the fall of Harvey Dent, right? Like he's this decent man who has lost everything he loved, everything he cared for, even to an extent, everything he believed in is gone. And he's just he's broken. I mean, he's fully broken. He's got Commissioner Gordon, and he the you know the quote I think you mentioned already is like we tried to be decent men, and we failed. And that's that's just such a hard quote to hear. 
Because on one hand, like you saw all the actions of Harvey, and like it's, he did, he tried to be a decent man, like he really did. And life, um, the Joker, essentially just kicked the crap out of him, and in the end, broke him. Yeah. Um, my second scene is uh, the armored car chase. Yeah. After uh, Harvey says he's the Batman, and they're mm. chasing him down, and there's all this chaos going on. You know that, like, once you see the car on fire, like, all right, it's about to go down. Yeah. And the Joker pulls up and opens the door, like, starts shooting, and he's like, "Is that a bazooka?" Right <laughs> <laughs> before that, where the two police officers are like, "Hey, we're safe in this thing, right?" And one's like, "Yeah." He's going to need something way bigger. Way bigger. Is that a bazooka? (laughs) And then, like, as there's, like, all that's going on, Batman comes in with the tumbler to save them. Sure. And then they're, like, they get out from underneath there, and they see the helicopter, and the wires go across. And the guy that's, like, sitting next to Gordon, who's driving, but we don't know it's Gordon at that point. And he's just like he sees the helicopter coming down. He's like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs> and, and he's like willing to like crash in front of him. He's like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs> and it was just like a really great action scene with like stakes. You can feel it. The Joker's right there. Mm-hmm. He's once again about to get exactly what he wants, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. I loved that scene. I had one of my minor themes of resurrection. I didn't say that because it was super minor. That pretty much only shows up in this scene. But they they go underground. And then on the other side of it, you get Batman's back and Gordon. So yeah. both, of those, oh. both of those characters come out from the underground. I thought that scene was amazing. Um, that's so good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's um, so good. One of, I mean... It's the, I feel like we, we all love this scene where the Joker's walking out of the hospital, Heath Ledger, I mean, you know, he's walking out, it starts to blow up, there's a a break in the fuse, and Heath Ledger doesn't break character, you know, kind of tampers with the thing, and then it all blows up, he hops in the bus, that's just like, I think that's the one that won him the posthumous Oscar, I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I whew, I love the um I don't love this scene, but I think it's a well done scene. The uh scene with Harvey and Rachel tied mm. up. That mm. scene. Um like, I mean yeah, it's not one you like love. Like it's not one I'm gonna pull up on YouTube randomly one night and watch it, but you know, they're tied up to these like huge barrels of I guess it's gas and you know, there's yeah, bombs strapped to them and everything, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're talking on the phone and you know, the whole time you, you think Batman is on his way to save Rachel, that's going to be okay, that, you know, that Rachel, his love interest, is going to survive, and then Batman opens the door, and you hear Harvey just start to scream. And, you know, you see Batman open the door, and then all you, all you hear is Harvey screaming, no, no, save her, you know, save her. And, you know, you realize what's happening, and then she, Rachel realizes, like, oh, Batman's this there. <laughs> like, if Batman's there, like, it's over for me. And she almost gets this like calming sense over her, and it's just it's it's a really well done scene. It's just another one of those scenes where the Joker is five steps ahead. I mean, he gives him the wrong sure. address, the opposite address for each of them, and he knows that Batman's going to go for her, so he gives him his address. But yeah, yeah, and whew, and her final words like are cut off by the explosion. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, like some like evil doesn't have pretty endings. I mean, I know it's a movie, so it's kind of foolish for me to say this, but like, you know, like evil doesn't have like nice storybook endings. Like it ends mm. violently and brutally and suddenly. Yeah, I would say that like this movie itself doesn't even necessarily have like a happy ending. No, no. You know, sure. Batman survives, and so does Commissioner Gordon, but like, uh. But the, the protagonist, the, yeah. yeah, the protagonists are like beaten. You know, they're they kind of like it's almost like an Empire Strikes Back where like they survive, but they definitely took an L. You know, they definitely mm-hmm. lost. In a sense, like they lost Harvey, they lost Rachel, and they were like in the end, like they're having to lie, yeah, to recover a win. Sure. Yeah. Um. So going into to quotes. Or do we have more scenes? Uh, I yeah, I've got some more scenes. I, want, I have one more scene I want to talk okay, about. Okay, go for it. Uh, one more, and we've mentioned this before, but the the social experiment with the two fairies. You know, they you you, you hear like the Joker's broadcast. He's like, tonight you're going to be a part of a social experiment, and he explains to them that on their their boat there's there's just dynamite, and there's a like a oh what do you call it? a detonator on detonator each boat to but, blow up the other boat. But the twist is right the was it not your boat but the other boat and one boat is full of of criminals one boat is full of citizens who who aren't criminals and they can blow up each other's boat and by midnight if neither of them are blown up they'll both be blown up and just that there's so much tension. And, it's so tense. And like considering all the other stuff you've seen in this movie that the Joker's done, you kind of feel like there's a chance, like in this movie, that like one of these is gonna for real, like blow up. You know, like just like seeing like all the other like violence and horror that the Joker has inflicted on the people of Gotham. And then I think this goes back to some of the things we've talked about identity, like him trying to tease out this what he believes is the ultimate inner identity of of everyone. And so I, I like that scene a lot. Yeah. And that one's super interesting because you wonder, I don't even know if it, I mean, I think the movie makes it pretty clear that he didn't intend to blow up both because there's that scene where he actually turns back and looks at the clock and it is straight up midnight and both of the boats haven't blown up yet. The Joker fully intended for one of the boats to blow up the other one. Um, and yeah, that, I've I've well, never I never thought about that before until I watched it again. If he blows up both of the boats, then he's the villain. Yeah. Then he's right about this that everyone is one bad day away from turning into what he has become. Mm-hmm. And so for him, I think the only way that he wins in that scenario is with one of the boats blowing up the other. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Batman, if we want to transition into quotes, has a perfect one in that scenario. He says, what were you trying to prove that deep down everyone is is as ugly as you? It's like the Joker fully thought that everyone was as ugly as him and didn't have a plan B. Like, he was like, someone's going to blow up someone. I'm not actually going to blow up both because someone is definitively in his mind going to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, let's just jump right into quotes. Brad, you want to we can just round robin it. Yeah. So my first quotes is from Harvey Dent as he's doing the press conference. Uh, he says, The night is darkest just before the dawn, and I promise the dawn is coming. Yeah. 
I was just like, uh, I mean, that's just like, that's just true of life. You know, like things are always like, that's hard sometimes. And like, the fact is, is like, when you're going through something, you're just like, man, just things keep, just seem to be, keep getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, but like eventually, because like things are going to get better, you know, and that's like super true. And Alfred even says that to Bruce. He's like, you know, things were always going to get worse before they got better. Yeah. So that was my first quote. I One I like a lot is from the Joker. It's just a simple question. I want to know how I got these scars. <laughs> and I like that quote so much because it reveals so much about his character and just the way he changes that story and like the confusion that he, he uses to surround that. And it's just such a, it's a great little motif of mm. the film. Um, I liked at the beginning the quote whenever they're breaking into the bank and the bank manager or whatever he is, um, as he comes into contact with the Joker, says criminals in this town used to believe in things, honor, <laughs> respect. Look at you. What do you believe in? And the Joker just responds, I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. And it's yeah. just, uh, I mean, whatever, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is what you'd expect. But that that kind of is true of humanity we we come into contact with hardships whatever and it takes a toll on the psyche that we have and so he is the culmination of all of that sure so yeah my next quote comes from the joker and it's as he's hanging upside down at the end and as he's falling he's laughing and he's (laughs) laughing hysterically and then he's just as he pulls back up he's like Oh, you just couldn't let me go, could you? This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. I won't kill you because you're just too much fun. I think you and I are destined to do this forever. And it's like so haunting, but also Mm. so true from what we know through... Batman and like is that they're always continuing yeah. to do this dance like Batman will never kill the Joker and in a sense like that's his flaw because the Joker continues to kill and put other people at harm and the Joker's never going to kill Batman because he's like everyone else is just boring you know he he's like at first he's like oh I'm going to kill you and he's like He's like, why would I want to kill you? Yeah. Like in the interrogation, he's like, you complete me. Like yeah. he is l- having the time of his life in combating this foe that is his complete opposite. Yeah, I feel like I got to say on this too, I love, this is not the movie that we're talking about. I love how the Lego Batman movie parodies this relationship how it's almost like this romance where the Joker is like obsessed with Batman and Batman could care less, whatever. But I I love that part of it. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's good. My next quote comes from Batman. He says, sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. Sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded. Mm. I think that's kind of an interesting, interesting like way to end the, in the film of like, you know, they're lying to put put the pieces back together. They're telling people that Harvey died as like a hero. And, and that he killed him. Yeah. And the Batman, yeah. Yeah. One of the the more less famous quotes I feel like that I, I really enjoyed this watch through 
was at the um, funeral service for the old commissioner. The mayor is up there giving his speech, and he kind of finishes with vigilance is the price of safety. And I loved that quote because it legitimizes Batman as this outlaw hero um, by giving him almost authority. I mean, from a public stage, they basically said vigilantes vigilance quote unquote is kind of a price of us being okay. So Batman is legitimized in the eye of the law through that quote. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think uh, I've got two more, both Alfred, um, but I won't go through both of them. I'll just go through my, I've got a serious one, then a funny one. So, and then it's like, Alfred explaining fully like the thief in Burma. It's like, so why steal them? Bruce says, and he says, well, because he thought it was good sport because some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. It can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And as he's saying that you're seeing the Joker's face as he's laughing and it's just, it's so bone chilling, intimidating and scary of like, and this is something that they've, that Alfred has seen in some form. It's almost elevated to right. this heightened anarchist evil extreme that Bruce is now having to face. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. My next one, and people who have listened to the show before will, will pick up on why I like this quote so much. Because he's not a hero, silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. Said the name of the movie. He said the name of the movie. Oh, great. In the movie. That that Family Guy episode. He said it. He said the name. You know what I'm talking about? It's it's like me when people say the name of the movie in the movie. Yeah. And it's it's really good because, like, he's not the white knight. He's dark. He's, 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 doesn't do things inside the bounds of the law like he goes to other countries and kidnaps people (laughs) (laughs) and he's like he beats people up he throws people off of roofs and breaks their legs and like all this stuff yeah no for sure um one of my favorite quotes is kind of long but by the joker when i it it kind of cemented in my mind that the joker and batman are two forces on gotham not necessarily two individuals but it was during the interrogation, the Joker says, don't talk like one of them. You're not, even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak like me. They need you right now, but when they don't, they'll cast you out like a leper. Their morals, their code is a bad joke dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are, dro- are down, these civilized people will eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Oh, <laughs> That was ah, such a good quote. <laughs> that's such a good quote. It's great. Whew. Yeah, I love that. I love that scene so much. There's so much in that scene of their ideologies just battling mm-hmm. each other. Um, out, yeah, and like as yeah, I know I mentioned this before, but as Batman sees is like I'm not getting anywhere. Like he starts he starts punching him because he doesn't know what else to do and just. <laughs> and he's just like you have nothing to threaten me with like i it's like you know nothing about me like there's yeah that's crazy but my last quote this is one of the funnier ones as alfred he says 
I suppose they're going to lock me up as well as your accomplice. And Bruce says, accomplice? I'm going to tell them the whole thing was your idea. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had that one like, too. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was just like, there are good parts of humor uh, that kind of balanced out the severe like darkness of the movie. And that's just like one of those moments. Yeah. Good. All right. I got one more quote. And it's a Joker quote. He says, nobody panics when things go according to plan, even if the plan is horrifying. I think there's some real truth to that right even if uh and we've you can see this in like throughout history like as long as like somebody has a plan and their people are following it no one panics they just kind of go with the flow even if the plan is truly horrible and horrifying i think the joker's kind of put his thumb on something accurate there about humanity yeah i got one more and i'm i'm with brad in the funny vein um perfect i love when uh gosh what's the the accountant's name that they the joker tries to kill at the end reese so so whenever reese comes to lucius fox and is questioning the balance book and is like (laughs) i want 10 million dollars for the rest of my life lucius goes let me get this straight you think that your client one of the wealthiest most powerful people in the world is secretly a vigilante who spends his nights beating people to a pulp with his bare hands. And your plan is to blackmail this person. Good luck. <laughs> That's a that great such, line. Man, that is such a good, he, he'd be, he'd have a good poker face. Yeah, he did. So, Transitioning into some final questions, some fun questions. What do you all think is the best gadget in this, the best bat gadget in this movie? Parker, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) As I was thinking about this, there's not a ton. I mean, he really doesn't have his arsenal on display in this movie. Um, But I think the most just mind boggling has to be the phone sonar like I can see the whole city through voice wave thing. Like that is just OP to the nth oh, degree. Yeah. yeah, that's what I picked as well. And it's just like he can see the whole building, and especially like how you mentioned like Lucius's like omniscience mm-hmm. and just being able to see the whole city and finding and locating the Joker and uh, figuring out where like okay three floors up these people are there and then these SWAT teams on the stairwell and like yeah I agree 100% and it, that omniscience makes Batman the only knowledgeable participant in that scene like he knows that the clown faces are actually the hostages and the doctors are actually the hostels and so he's the only one that has an educated understanding of what's going on but yeah if I mean Lucius is right in saying that we got to get rid of this <laughs> oh yeah absolutely He's like, this is too powerful. He's like, as long as this thing's at Wayne Enterprise, like, I won't be, you mm-hmm. know? And then Bruce kind of like knowing that he would have that response is just like, when you're done, type in your name. And it destroys it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say, obviously the sonar like vision's pretty, pretty sweet. I'll say like the addition to the gauntlets where they can shoot the the kind of blades out of the gauntlets mm. and they're not just there for protection anymore. They're kind of like an offensive weapon. It's a pretty cool twist. Yeah. Super cool. Um, okay. Next question. Would you rather have the tumbler or the bat cycle? Mm. 
I, I, this one was easy for me. I'd rather have the tumbler. Like, I'm just a really big wimp. I don't want to be exposed like that. Just give me a tank, <laughs> and I will happily fight anyone you want me to. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. What is the – what's the context of this? Like, am I a superhero, or am I me in my everyday life? Uh, I feel like you're a superhero. Superhero, I'm going with the tumbler. Okay. It's a tank, and yeah. I'm going to just run over the bad guys, and we're going to win. It's fine. So, so are you saying that regular Brad would want the the bike instead of the tank? Are you saying you're, you're more equipped so. to fight people? I guess, I guess it'd be a heck of a lot easier to park. Yeah, like park would be fine. Like traffic wouldn't be as big of an issue. I just like bob and weave a little bit. Um, so sure, parallel parking because the, the tires can like tumble on themselves. So parallel parking, you just like slide in there. Yeah, it'd be, be super awesome. easy. Man, I guess I'm going to be the odd man out. I picked the bat cycles just because I thought it would no, be. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun, and you know, um, you could I mean, never fall thought... off of it. Yeah, I mean, I just tumble with it, and like, I'm never going to play chicken with the with the Joker. And if someone's <laughs> like, "Hey, hit me," I'm be like, "Hey," it's kind of like the how it should have ended, Dark Knight, and then it's like, <laughs> so you mean you actually hit him? Is like, yeah, you wanted me to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, next question. Who are your top five Batman villains? And you can do in no particular order, or you can give us your order, whichever you would choose. Hmm. I'll, I'll say no particular order, except one of them I have is number one, easy. Um, the Joker. So the Joker, I think, is by far and away the best Batman villain there is. Um, other villains I like, I really like, I like Riddler. He's an interesting character, and I can't wait for the Batman, Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson. Mm -hmm. Be a much better version than Jim Carrey. Yeah, it won't be hard to do that. Yeah, Uh, I just think the Riddler is like super interesting. The whole like, just like one step ahead, like very creative. Like he makes this like a game. You know, like Mm -hmm. can Batman solve this? You know, it's really fun. So I like the Riddler. I think Bane is super cool, and we'll talk more about him next week. I like him a lot. I I think one interesting one is Catwoman because she's kind of a villain, but kind of an ally at times too. Okay. There are different properties. Yeah. Like sometimes he's trying to stop her from different things. Like she's, she's a burglar and she does all these stuff, but then sometimes she's helping him as well. So I think she's an interesting villain if we can classify her as such. Yeah. And how many is that? Four? Yeah. We'll go Mr. Freeze. Okay. Because, the idea of somebody wanting to freeze the world is kind of cool. <laughs> he's just trying uh, to help the environment, man. Polar ice caps are melting out of he's, just trying to help the, he's just trying to help the, the environment. The ice age is exactly what we need. Exactly. Um, I'll go I'll go in order from bottom to top. Um, coming in at number five, even though that is not in this cinematic universe, is the Lego Batman Joker. We referenced him earlier. <laughs> I just can't get over, like, if we're talking about Batman, that's my second favorite Batman movie ever behind this one. So he has to be in this list. He's amazing. (laughs) All right. So that's number five. Number four, Hugo Strange. Um, I just think his obsession, just a good character overall. Um, Number three, Bane. So I don't have, I don't think the, the comic book knowledge that Brad has, 
Um, but in, in terms of the movies, Bane, I think, is my third favorite in this. And then second, Ra's al Ghul. First, Heath Ledger's Joker. By far, up, up, and away, favorite Batman villain of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go follow the same order. Um, so I picked uh, Harley Quinn for my number five. Is like the Joker's accomplice. I think like the way that they work in tandem to one another is so fun to watch. Yeah. And so like how she like is also like, oh, she's like his sidekick, but just the way that she like frustrates and like gets away and is like annoying to him mm-hmm. is super fun. Margot Robbie is a good Harley Quinn, by the way. Yeah, Margot Robbie's great Harley Quinn. Uh second, I have Two Face. Mm-hmm. Um and I know <laughs> Based on Brad's face right now, he disagrees with that strongly. <laughs> no, Two Face is great. He's great. Um, but I think, like, I mean, I almost put Hush on there because, like, there's so much yeah. more of a personal with Harvey. Like, um, in the comics, like Harvey Dent was Bruce Wayne's actual friend, right? And mm-hmm. more so than it in this movie represented, like they were good friends, and then yeah. he was a good DA, and then. In the comics, like a mob boss, like getting back at him threw acid on him, and that's what made him to be right. two faced and to to uh, struggle with like those mental abilities. And so, like in that sense, like every time Batman or Bruce is like fighting him, he's like desperate for him to like, hey, get help! Like I want to help you. I don't want you to be this villain. And so that's why I think it's like there's so much more at stake for him personally. Um, next I have Ra's al Ghul because he can, and my next two characters, Ra's al Ghul and then Bane, they can both match Batman like mentally as well as physically and just how they can combat him. And of course at the top spot, no question, the Joker. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So final question. I think this is going to be a super easy one. I'm pretty sure we're all going to be unanimous on this, but who has the best performance in this movie? Heath Ledger. Joker. Heath Ledger. Yeah. yeah. I literally wrote Heath Ledger. Is that even a question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thought, um, even though, yeah, I agree 100%. I think Aaron Eckhart had a good showing as Harvey Dent and really kind of bummed, like, is he didn't really, he hasn't really done anything since then. Mm. Um, I know that's kind of off topic, but I thought he did a good job as Harvey Dent, but yeah. of course, Heath Ledger is the top spot. All right. I, I, mean, I thought that um, Christian Bale had a good performance, but I was, they write him some hokey lines. Like, whenever Joker's like, oh, she has a good fight in her, I like that. And he's like, well, you're going to love me. Like, they, they don't yeah. know. He does a good job. He's a great actor, but sometimes, I don't know. You know, the writing yeah. can kind of hurt you. The voice, it, I struggle Ugh. with the voice. And when Joker has him pinned as he's about to blow up the fairies, and he's there with the, the bar like over his neck, and he's talking like it is. I've just shown you that they're good. They're not good. Hello. <laughs> And I was like, what? <laughs> Come on, man. You gotta need to give me something a little better than that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's why I wouldn't have Christian Bale. 
Okay, so overall reflections before getting into our final grades. Uh, Brad, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered most of the things that we can say. It's just, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I have any, like, final reflections. Okay, yet. cool. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. So. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think this is truly one of, the, like, the best, best superhero movies ever made still to this date. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think my final reflection would just be I wish that this is how superhero movies were made. I really enjoy the MCU. Um, I think the DCEU has a little bit of catching up to do, but I, I just wish that more superhero movies had these darker, more um, human themes to them. Um, I mean, this this one just hit it right on the head. This was an incredible film. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I can't put it any any better than what you all said. And so I, I gave this film an A plus. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's as near perfect as you can get almost. So I'd give it like a 9.8, 9.9 on my grade in a plus. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a plus for me too. This is a, I mean, like you said, it's a near perfect superhero movie. It really is. And I mean, not even just for me, like superhero movie, just, this is a, a near perfect movie full stop. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy that like, I think like Heath Ledger was the only one, only Oscar nomination from this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave it a plus as well. I'd give it like a 97 and the three points on, on the paper, if we're going to do that or spelling. So a couple of the really cheesy lines <laughs> for the only reason it's not like a plus plus 100, but yeah, this, this really is my favorite movie of all time. Like this is an incredible yeah. film overall. Amazing. Absolutely. Parker, we're going to just say thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Man, Parker. Thank I, you. I loved it. This was awesome. So, so hopefully we can have you back, uh, have you back again soon. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of the Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.